0: Episode 67, two middle-aged men in Cleveland. His famous is Ted Klopp, along Steve with Everett, Steve Everett. Steve Everett. I thought we were on 67. Isn't he 67? No, no. Come on, man. Austin Pastor. Gesundheit. Austin Pastor. Do you remember Austin Pastor? No. Where, he where, was a lineman for the Browns. He played for a couple years. Oh, I'm sorry. Yep good guess though yeah steve everett was like 64 wasn't he 61 61. okay we're all we're all incorrect we're all wrong okay i actually well that's that's a story for a different different day i oh, i yeah. had an experience with steve everett at one point in time he in the he bathroom looked, at the basement bathroom in the basement there we go so. he looks like a pro wrestler I'll tell you. Oh yeah he would oh. he would be out a lot by the way yeah. he he liked to, like to run around and have a good okay time. all right well, i didn't mean to distract no, no, no! Absolutely not. No, we we certainly want to celebrate, and we appreciate all our fans. We're up to over fourteen hundred people now on Instagram. We appreciate that. The Facebook likes are, are moving up. Yeah, you've been handling the
1: Twitter. There's you have a lot of followers. On oh, that we too. got we got people uh, picking up them every day. It's great stuff. You know, they they hear that uh, Virgil gets upset with us, for, you know, the Million Dollar Man era, and then boom, it goes. He's been quiet, but I
0: think he's about to, you know, he'll resurface at some point in time. We'll We'll find
1: out from Steve. Yeah.
0: Well, I did more research. I know you're shocked, Ted. Yes. In all honesty, I I am shocked. We had, uh, you know, a very nice weekend last weekend. Obviously, there was 19,000 people at the Cleveland, um, you could say the Indian Stadium. I can say that right now still. The Indian Stadium until it's the Guardians next year. Yeah. And then you had over 25,000 people that came out. To watch the cleveland browns by the way practice i'm gonna sound like alan iverson we're talking practice and yeah we had 25,000 people out there they had more people at brown stadium than they did for a regular season game for the indians so well so yeah, i throw that. That out
1: there. wonder if it's a if it's a football town or, an, or a baseball town
0: i don't know i think we're still trying to figure that out yeah sure we, are. we all know the answer to that mm-hmm. so but i was kind of around town last weekend, and then obviously a little bit this past Sunday as I got back from a quick vacation. And I've been noticing a lot of construction, not only just road construction, but like other projects going on in the Cleveland area. And so my research actually Hmm. was pretty easy. So there's a reporter at News Channel 5 by the name of Kevin Berry, who put together a really nice article. I'm obviously not going to Read the whole thing to you. You can check it out probably on the news channel 5 um, website. But uh, he talks about all the new projects that are going on in the Cleveland area. And I thought that'd be something to, something for us to talk about. Okay. I think there's a lot of things going on that people don't even know. Probably. So we'll start. Are you ready for this? I'm re- I'm as ready as I'm okay. gonna be. So Whiskey Island, I think many people are familiar with that. I'll drink so, to that. <laughs> they recently opened Wendy Park Bridge which connects the historic Coast Guard station to the Ohio City. And visitors can drive out to the park or use the also newly completed Whiskey Island Connector Trail to get to the lake and the river.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: obviously you get an opportunity to watch the boats go by and all that stuff. And it's already sparked a new investment in the neighborhood where some other people want to get involved. So they have that project. Mm -hmm. There's another project called Ontario Stone which is creating a buzz. Um, That is just south, as I could find it here, that is just south of Wendy Park, and it is five acres of land, which I didn't even know there was that much over there, where it sticks into the Cuyahoga River to be used for future development. Hmm. So you have that. We'll keep moving along. The flats in the East Bank, which obviously has already gone through some Construction and change and things like that. There's phase two of that going on. Okay. Um, So what used to be a grass plot in a certain area is now being turned into a multiple entertainment venue to attract more diverse set of visitors to the flats. And there's going to be one new building that will have live country music and it will have a rooftop cigar and whiskey bar. Oh, I know where you'll be. That's a possibility. I, I think I might I might be able to visit. I don't do well with cigars. I no, Well, I, I, I was to referring
1: consume. to the to the whiskey more.
0: Oh, very nice. Yeah. And then there's going to be a second building at that site that will have two restaurants, which one will be Asian fusion dining location and a nightclub hmm. with a restaurant below it. I know you're into the nightclub scene. That's, that's I, Yeah, your, that's me. Kind of your gig. Yes. So here's the one that I found really interesting. <clears throat> Jacob's Pavilion. And I didn't know this until I read this article and shame on me. Did you know that Jacobs Pavilion is hosting a Women's Tennis Association championship, which is I, August 22nd through the 28th at the pavilion? I
1: didn't I know mean, what, when it was, but I knew they were because in my work, we deliver a lot of equipment to Oh, the that's right, river, and I've heard them talking about this tennis tournament coming up over at, at Nautica at the Jacobs Pavilion. I didn't know when it was. But I, now that you say that, I did hear some talk about a tennis tournament.
0: I mean, that's a pretty big deal. It's a 250-person event. I mean, you're going to have some of the top stars in women's tennis that are going to be playing in the tournament. I had no idea. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. So we have that. Right, we're not done, though. I got a oh. couple more here for you. So okay. Heritage Park, um, around the bend from Jacob's Pavilion, Heritage Park has been closed for months, while workers attend to the underside of the Detroit Superior Bridge, clearing the way for a park for an additional water access, hmm. which that is a big deal, to be honest with you. And then the last one I wanted to talk about is Irish Town Bend. I'm not sure if you've heard about this. or
1: not. I have not.
0: So Irish Town Bend is a project that takes control of the plots of land that need to create a 23 acre park along the Cuyahoga River where Irish immigrants once settled in northeast Ohio. So two buildings already been demolished along West 25th Street near Detroit Avenue. And another building was recently purchased by Ohio City Incorporated, allowing it to be an overflow shelter for a few more months. The city of Cleveland is negotiating with the local restaurateur, 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 I thought I said it incorrect. And business owner for another piece of land that would help complete the footprint of that Irish town bend planners envision. Now, the Cleveland Planning Commission. What's that? Be a leprechaun? Uh, he could be. The Cleveland Planning Commission approves <laughs> zoning changes and an urban form overlay for its historical industrial use requiring different variances, things like that. But I, I cannot believe. So that that's going to be zoned and it will be zoned for open space recreation, which means they're going to do some other stuff down there. I cannot believe how many projects are being being done. And I, I obviously there's some others. Brew Dog is putting a restaurant in. The flats south, there's more stuff going on in Whiskey Island. I mean, we could go on and on and on. I what about, I can't what about believe how much construction's going on at this time? Which is what's awesome.
1: happening? What's happening on the flats north? The flats north?
0: I don't, I don't know. Probably not much.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, we got all that going on, and the, the Sherwin and Williams uh headquarters thing.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then they're gonna have a research and development facility
1: in Brexville. And uh, uh, Progressive Field, if this uh, deal with, for the Indians uh, facility goes yeah. to reimagine that like they did the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse.
0: Yeah, that's, that's big money with that they're talking yeah. about there. It's like, what, 400 some million dollars or something like that.
1: So A lot of cash. Lot yeah, of, big money. Big a lot of money. stuff happening in the city. Yes, there is. All great, which is wonderful. I'll tell you what's happening on this show. We've got some good news involving whiskey. Ooh. Ken's ears have immediately perked up. A female powerlifter is our overachiever. We'll explain why. In Klopp's clips, a story of one of the most bizarre first dates. I know we've uh, each got some stories of our own, but I think this one tops that. And we're going to talk with the athletic director from Baldwin Wallace College. Talk to him about what's happening in the OAC and elsewhere. All that and more coming up. Cleveland! This
0: is for you! Another This Week in Cleveland Sports. August 16th, 1920. Ray Chapman of the Cleveland Indians is hit in the head by New York Yankees pitcher Carl Mays. He dies the next day in the only Major League game-related fatality. Hmm. We have our Cleveland sports historian, Dusty Sloan. And Dusty, certainly not a, you know, one of those things that it's just a freak accident. It's just an unfortunate thing. But what can you tell us about the situation with Ray Chapman?
2: Unfortunately, it's one of those things that gets tied to Cleveland baseball history. It's one of the negative things because, like you said, it's the only one that's ever happened where there's been a fatality on the field. And it was at the polo grounds, actually, in New York against New York. And you had two great pitchers going. Carl Mays was an 18-game winner at that point. Stan Kovaleski, a lot of the Cleveland mm. baseball fans know that name. But what I didn't know as I was researching this game was Carl Mays was a knuckleballer. And he's one of those knuckleballers where he throws the ball and the knuckles hit the top of the mound. So he was, he was very, uh, very much committed to being a knuckleballer. But in the fifth inning, unfortunately, Ray Chapman let off. And the very first pitch for Mays hit him in the head. And they obviously took him off the field, took him to the hospital. Luckily, the hospital is only about a half mile from the ballpark. But unfortunately, after the game, he survived the surgery, but then he died the next morning. And uh, again, it's, it's one of those things we talk about what are b- baseball players, what two baseball players are linked in history, Kirk Gibson and Dennis Eckersley, Pete Rose and Ray Fossey. Well, unfortunately, Ray Chapman and Carl Mays are always going to be linked together as far as baseball lore for a bad reason.
1: Hmm. Well, I know that the uh, the game the next day was also uh, postponed. Was there any – uh you aware of any
2: changes that Major League Baseball made as a result of this uh, situation? Well, the thing I can't really find is I would assume that he wasn't wearing a helmet being back that far. So I would assume that's one of the major things. You, you obviously see everybody wearing helmets these days and everybody wearing flaps up over their – Um, cheeks to make sure they don't get in Mm -hmm. any shape or form. But it's just one of those things where hockey player, hockey goalies used to get hit in the head with pucks before they started making them wear those masks. So it was just something where unfortunate things like this end up doing those changes that you would hope that they'd be a little more proactive than reactive. Well, Dusty, before
1: we let you go, Let's talk briefly about the Olympics because uh, Ashland University, where you are the SID, big news from uh, the Olympics. Let's let's uh, not end on uh, such a, a sad note, but tell us about uh, the Olympics and the tie to Ashland.
2: Absolutely, Katie Najat, women's pole vault won the gold medal. It was a great thing last Thursday to be able to see that take place. She's the, I just found out the other day that, uh, according to the USTFCCCA, which is the collegiate track and field and cross country organization, she was the only D2 former collegian to win a gold medal this year in Tokyo. So that is a great distinction wow. for not only her, but for Ashley university, she's a, a Cleveland area native Olmsted falls. And, uh, Congratulations to her. Obviously, I have enjoyed talking to her over the years. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see her as a collegian. I came in right after she had graduated. But boy, she has climbed the ladder in women's pole vault, not just in the United States, but internationally. And she's worked her tail off and she certainly deserves that gold medal.
0: Oh, absolutely. So what a class lady. And uh, certainly all the people from Ashland and Northeast Ohio are very proud. But uh, Dusty, appreciate the time as always. You're the best Cleveland sports historian I know.
2: Catch you guys later. Cleveland!
1: This is for you! All right, Ken, time for some good news. Scotland's Glenfiddich Whiskey Distillery. I'll just pause for a moment as uh, you salivate. I, I'm speechless. They, along with Ivaco a sustainable natural powered transportation company have worked to develop, to, together to develop a fleet of low carbon trucks powered by biomethane derived from the dregs of whiskey production. Wow. How about that? Whiskey waste run through an anaerobic digester breaks down as a breakdown. The gases are emitted and harvested. After a final cleaning process, the resulting product is a low-carbon, low-particulate biofuel. Wow. When compared to diesel and other fossil fuel alternatives, the biofuel will cut annual greenhouse gas emissions by up to 99%. That's an equivalent environmental impact of planting 4,000 trees every year.
0: I mean, they they say this. Drinking isn't all that bad sometimes. That's right. There's some there's some benefits. And on a serious note, too, we got to start figuring out the uh, carbon emissions. I think many people have seen the story about the Earth in the next couple of years increasing by a temperature of one point four Celsius, which is not exactly great. So we're going to have to do some different things to kind of change that or we're going to be in a bad, bad place.
1: So but that's oh, great. Glenn yeah. Finnich. We like, do like Glenn. You like Glenn Fintich? Is that a good one
0: uh, Ron Burgundy says I'll take three fingers of Glenn Fintach?
1: Three three fingers. Okay. All right. I'll drink to that. Blah blah
3: blah blah blah. Blah 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 blah. Blah
2: blah
0: blah. Blah 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 blah. Today's guest was named the director of athletics at Baldwin Wallace University on June seventh of this year. He previously worked at Bethany College in West Virginia as a director of athletics and Eureka College in Illinois as the director of athletics and women's basketball coach. He also worked as an assistant athletic director at Kent State University and Case Western Reserve University. He is a 2001 graduate of the College of Worcester, where he excelled as a basketball player for the Fighting Scots. Our guest is an avid golfer and nearly a middle-aged dad spending a lot of time with his children, Addison, who is nine and Luke, who is eight. Let's talk with Steve Thompson. Steve, thanks for the time. We really appreciate it.
4: Ken, Ted, I'm so excited to join you today. I appreciate having the chance to chat a little bit uh, about my experience and all the great things happening at Baldwin Wallace. Outstanding. Well, welcome to Northeast Ohio. Talk about what
0: intrigued you about the Yellow Jackets position and how the first few months have gone on the job.
4: Yeah, what intrigued me, you know, when you look around the landscape of, of college athletics and especially the Division three landscape, you know, there's 400-some-odd colleges and universities across the country. Uh, you know, I would consider Baldwin-Wallace as a, a top 30, if not, you know, top 20, 15, potentially both from the athletic standpoint uh, of the level they can compete at and then also academically, I, academic programs, obviously, well-known in the Cleveland and surrounding areas, their conservatory of music, their theater program, so much more going on that, you know, in the job posted, there was just so much to, to really pull you towards it. And then it was a, another great chance to get back to Northeast Ohio where I'm from. And uh, a lot of some of those relationships I've been able to build throughout the career, my career, uh, and, and it's a relationship game. Uh, so a, a good chance to get back home and, and be at a great higher le- institution of higher
1: education. Great. Well, we all know the the long tradition of excellence at BW. I'm imagining that you've been contacted by some alums, staff, students, and the like. When you're contacted as the new AD, what kind of questions are you getting? And have you heard from any, I don't know, famous alumni? Has anybody, you know, that that we should ask you to get an autograph from uh, reached out to you?
4: I feel uh, that might be a loaded question, Ted, and, and I appreciate that. The, the tradition here is outstanding. Uh, obviously, you guys are both well aware of it, but uh, had, had a great former player here whose dad was a longtime coach who went on to have a fairly decent coaching career at, at uh, the college and level, uh, maybe won a national championship at a couple institutions and has moved on to uh, the presidential level. But uh, a, a great Baldwin-Wallace product. Uh, and, and really, the outcomes here are, are tremendous. And he's just one of the many alums that uh, I've had a chance to connect to in my short term uh, here so far in my two months. I, I can tell you not only from him, but uh, uh, Coach Tressel, but also from or President Tressel, which is another story of you know the awkward, what do you call him when he calls you the first time?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that I, w- I would say, sir would be uh, a, that's a good one. Yeah. I stumbled to serve
4: president and coach all at once. Uh, you know, we we've had uh, fortunate enough and Ken and I go back to our time at Ashland university where we both had a kind of a, a connection to coach Trestle and, and Greg Gillum, who's now down at uh, the university of Cincinnati, working for Luke Fickle. So after I stumbled my through my words of, uh, and, and saying hello to coach Trestle, president Trestle, we were, we were able to have a good conversation and, uh, you know, he, he and his family are staples of uh, Baldwin Wallace, and they want the very best for not only the football program, not only the athletic program, but really the institution as a whole. And, and their support over the years has shown that. Uh, had a lot of other alumni reach out really in that same, same manner, right? They, they want to raise the bar back to the level that they remember Uh, competitively, but also when when I was a a basketball player in college, they had some great basketball teams. Sherry Hare has done a great job here uh, over the time. And, you know, Elite Eight, Sweet 16, uh, tons of OAC championships for her. Uh, Jamie Gibbs, the wrestling coach, has has flipped that program. I could go on about some of the great coaches. They just want to see the the winning ways continue and and see what we can do to raise that bar for for some of the other teams and, and really the campus as a whole.
0: Well, you have a lot of years working at college athletics. And as many people know, it's not the easiest at times. So working from the division one to division three level, are there specific things that you remember at your different jobs above and beyond other things? Do you have any humorous stories of things that that's happened to you or anything like that at one of the institutions you were at?
4: That's a great question. I I think I just shared one. that. (laughs) That is a good one. That's a really good one. It's hard to to, to go back from that. Uh, You know, not not to get political uh, by any means, uh, but uh, Eureka College uh, is the alma mater of a former president. It's the uh, smallest college to ever graduate a sitting president uh, in Ronald Reagan. Uh, A lot of people don't know that. Uh, His story is very interesting uh, in that football really changed his life. Uh, and a lot of stories he shared as he went on to be the president. So, so that was a, a pretty unique kind of selling piece as we went out on the recruiting trail, trail to, to tell a story of what that experience is as a student-athlete at a small college. Uh, and, and obviously, Baltimore has those outcomes. Uh, the funny stories they they can get all over the map, right? Uh, my, my first job out of college was an internship for the Cleveland Browns just down the road uh in the equipment room and my last day there i had uh phil dawson uh chris gardaki take me to uh the goal my last day working <laughs> before i went in uh and moved on so that's one that uh, my parents always like to give me a hard time that a punter and a kicker were able to to, to hold me down and take me to goal so <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know i got about 22 years of that experience and just really enjoyed uh kind of my growth through there i've, I've been blessed with who i've been able to work with along the way uh, mm-hmm. lee owens at ashland university is, is a football coach has had a great career i mentioned greg gillen uh at kent state i was there to work with scott strickland who's gone on to baseball at the university of georgia mm-hmm. uh sounds like i'm name dropping but they all have a you know, I've impacted my life in a, in a in a positive way that has kind of put me here and, and given me this opportunity.
1: Well, Ken, at the beginning of the uh, uh, segment here, mentioned your you're an avid golfer, and I'm going to guess that there might have been a time or two when you have golfed with Ken. Ken talks about golfing well pretty much every show. Uh, my sure. guess is that when you talk when when you golf with Ken, you golf and he. Sits in the cart and drinks, is, I guess. So, is that the case? Tell us about golfing with Ken and maybe some of the more unique or best golf uh, courses that you played.
4: Yeah, when uh, Ken and I worked at Ashland University, we were both working in athletics and, and really committed to uh, a, a physical lifestyle of lifting, uh, heavily working out. Yes, Ken yeah. was a model. Uh, of strength and conditioning and, and just preparedness on the it's, golf course so that's
1: the word I was thinking you would use as model yes
4: I was
0: modeled after dwarf on golf uh-huh. after Tim Conway. that's
4: that was my model yes we, we, we had some good times for sure but uh really looking forward to uh as a celebrity golfer out at the uh men's basketball golf outing this Friday can to can to join us out at that uh Looking forward for that. As far as some, some courses, I really enjoyed playing. Uh, again, I, I, I play as much as I can when I'm on the road. Had a chance to play a couple of links courses in Ireland uh, when I took a, a trip of our women's basketball team at Eureka and uh, a class over there. As a student athlete at Worcester, we, we went to Scotland and in, in England. Uh, didn't play the old course of St. Andrews, but we went up and walked around that and then played a couple different links courses there. Uh, in the States, uh, that's a great question. I, a couple courses in the Pinehurst area uh, are really exciting uh, and, and played those. You know, I'm, I'm blessed a lot of times where I get to travel with some of our teams and in, in a fundraising capacity, and I always try to build in some time in a sense for me and, and and try to do different things through the travel and, and golf's one of those things where I can, can kind of turn it off for a couple hours and, and, and recharge the battery.
0: Steve, one of our final questions for you, I, obviously we're trying to have fun with you, but on a serious note, so the school year is upon us with practices in school, obviously for the university and also the high school um, venues. What advice would you give to a student athlete Coming at the coming out of the high school level, who is interested in possibly participating in college athletics? That's the first part of the question. The second part: What advice would you give to parents of prospective college student-athletes?
4: Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. I might start with part two first. Uh, what advice I would give parents? Don't get hung up on wanting an athletic scholarship. Uh, today, there's a lot of schools out there uh, that'll throw you. Uh, A thousand, two thousand dollars, titled athletic scholarship, and and a lot of times that'll feel good. I can tell you, based off my experience, the the education here at Baldwin Wallace is second to none. And if you wait till those financial packages come out between maybe a Division two school, uh, that we're going to be very close, uh, if not better, uh, on that financial aid match kind of and. Too often, parents are, are quick to, to push that athletic scholarship. There's so much more academic money. And, and this is coming from a guy 25 years ago. When I was looking, I would have gave anything for an athletic scholarship. But having been in the business and had a great experience at Division three level where we were able to beat some Division two teams, uh, exhibition games against Ashland, two out of my four years, and we won those games. Uh, and Ash- Ashland uh, is a very good Division two basketball program. So, so, wait uh, is probably the easiest way to put it until you get all the information. What, what's Baldwin Wallace going to cost compared to the other schools you might look at? Uh, and don't be so attracted to the word athletic scholarship uh, as much as academic scholarship. And that, that is advice to parents I would share all the time. As far as to, to, to young men and women, you know, enjoy the experience. Uh, I, I think social media, and Twitter can get everything lost where you have to put out your offer, uh, you know, and you have, have these kids that are collecting 50 offers, right? From every level of division two, II, division three, but, but really enjoy the experience uh, and have conversations with those coaches and administrators that want you and find the place that fits you best, where you want to go academically, where you w- want to go athletically, what you want to achieve. Uh, And don't get caught up in the Twitter world uh, and and all that. It's changed the game uh, dramatically with that social media and everything. And I think it's gotten really muddy in that sense now uh, because of an 18-year-old wants to compare themselves to everyone else. And we're all unique, right? We're all unique individuals and and have a unique experience. That's getting a little deeper than I probably would have ever thought I would have got on this phone
1: (laughs) Wow. a little deep for oh, us i gotta tell you
4: <laughs> but, but those kind of two things i think are the most yeah. important and, and enjoy that experience you know for for a year two years through that recruitment process you're going to feel really well loved and then when you step on campus you got to get to work uh and and work hard in the classroom and in the weight room and in and competition so knowing that that ultimately shifts too a little bit
0: well that's outstanding well steve we really appreciate your time If people want to find out more information about Baldwin-Wallace University, the athletic department or contact you, how can they do that?
4: The the easiest way is on the website, bwyellowjackets.com. And that can get you to all email addresses, schedules. You know, we'd love uh, to have anybody come out and support our teams. Need to figure out how we can set up a coupon code for all these listeners that they can enter middle-aged men in Cleveland for maybe a free ticket or something that I can handwrite
0: it out. There we go. I'll handwrite it. We'll see. I got some crayons.
4: Anybody has a a Ted Klopp or Ken Dorsnik signed piece of paper. We'll let them in for free this year. I I love it. It won't take much
0: if it's signed because our signing is not very good. It's like a line. It's like a doctor. (laughs) So like a doctor. Well, Steve outstanding. Great to catch up with you. Congrats on the position. Good luck on the school year. And, uh, We'll probably catch up down the road. Once again, great information, because, I mean, let's be honest, as two middle-aged men, Ted and I have younger kids, and to kind of put them in the right area and, and use the advice of people that are professionals as yourself to direct kids and parents of how they should act and do that, that's that's very well appreciated. So we do appreciate that.
4: No, and, I, and I really appreciate the opportunity early in my my tenure here at Ball & Walls to talk about the great things that is Yellow Jacket athletics. So thanks so much for the opportunity to both of you.
0: It's time for another This Week in Cleveland History. Ted, we move to August 12th, 1855. That joke can't be played here. We we know where you're at at that point in time.
1: <laughs> Not here yet.
0: Not here yet. The First Presbyterian Church, which, which is the Old Stone Church, is dedicated uh-huh. on Public Square. We have our historian John Grabowski with us. And John... First of all, I think many people have seen the old stone church, but can you talk about some of the history with that church and, and what it's meant to certainly the Cleveland area?
3: Sure. I think, you know, it's, it's totally, Ken, it's totally appropriate that there's a church on the public square because our public square replicates a New England town commons, and that's where you would find the church. And ah. Interestingly enough, that church uh, begins in uh, 1820 as a Sunday school. It's a joint Sunday school between Presbyterians and Congregationalists. There was always a little bit of a merger there. And uh, that Sunday school practice, they uh, had their lessons in the old log courthouse on the square, and once in a while they'd hear gunfire during their lessons because there were people out hunting. They, <laughs> but Old Stone, the, the church itself starts out of the First Presbyterian Society in 1827, and they build their first building in 1831, 1833, and it's a small stone church. It's in the Georgian revival style. And as the city grows, and it grows enormously in the 30s, 1840s, and 50s, they they build a new church, so the one that we're talking about is a Romanesque church. It's designed by Herder and, uh, Herd and Porter in Cleveland, and, and it's a magnificent structure on, on the square. Uh, it's completed in 1855, as you indicate. Uh, took two years to build. 1857 burns. Oh, so the, uh, the church is restored, and they, they add another second spire in 1868. And then guess what? In 1884, there's a second fire that guts the church. Oh, and so the interior of the church that you see today is is fantastic because it's designed by Charles Schweinfurth one of the best architects in Cleveland and uh, so all that that hammer beam ceiling and the stained glass windows there's Lafarge and Tiffany there so it's a real show place and uh, for many people it seems out of place on the public square but it's not it's what the public square was supposed to be about at that time and that church has been really active in missionary activity. Uh, The Chinese community in Cleveland began behind that church and they did some missionary work with the Chinese community. Uh, Goodrich House Social Settlement, now Goodrich Gannett started out of the church. There are about 10 other Presbyterian congregations that were spawned by Stone Church. So yeah, has an incredible history in the city of Cleveland and is still doing a lot of work with the community, uh, basically reaching out to the community. Uh, Great institution. So the shell is original from 1855,
1: but the interior is, because of the fires, it's uh, more recent.
3: Is that fair to say? It's more recent. I don't know exactly how much of the shell is there, isn't there? I mean, there's a book by Jeanette Toove that will give you the details, but that church is really a survivor.
1: And has there ever been any talk, and I know not now because it's a historic uh, landmark, but um, years ago... Was there ever any talk of, we don't need a church on the square now, let's get this out of here. This is the city, center of the city. We could use this space um,
3: for something else. There ever been any talk of that? Not that I know of. And I would say that by the uh, the late 19th century, the late 1800s, that that church was, was really still vibrant in the community, was still vibrant in the 20s and 30s. I mean, it's dealing with homeless and hungry during the depression as well. So I don't think that church was ever gonna go away and to, to have destroyed it, to take it down would have been a real act of uh, civic violence, I believe.
0: Oh, for sure. Well, well John, uh, obviously once again, great information, uh, certainly going way back from August 12th, 1855 with the First Presbyterian Church was the Old Stone Church, which is dedicated on Public Square. John, thanks again for your time. Our
3: pleasure, my pleasure.
0: For our overachievers segment ted i yeah. will let you know once again you did not make it dang it we're underachieving <laughs> but a florida woman received word just prior to her get this 100th birthday that she is a guinness world record holder as the world's oldest competitive power lifter oh my wow tampa's edith murray trainer was 98 years old in 94 days at the time of her last competition in 2019, earning the record, she might break her own record as she is scheduled to compete in her first post pandemic lifting competition in November. She lifts weights ranging from, OK, 40 to 150 <laughs> pounds at her competitions. <laughs> wow. That's more than what I'm getting up. That's, I'm going to be I, honest I, that's with that's you. More than what I'm doing. Boy. I got a little, I got a little tempo action down in the basement, and uh, you know I'm, I think I'm Hulkamania when I'm lifting 30 pounds. This lady's lifting 40 to 150 pounds. I'm doing eight ounce curls. I don't know about you. Strong wrists. Yeah. So, yeah. Well. Wow. Well, that's really what. What an inspiration, Edith Merway trainer at the age of 100, is going to compete in a another event and probably breaking a Guinness World Record, lifting over 40 to 150 pounds.
3: The most trusted name in journalism, Klopp's Clips.
1: Ken, are you ready for the news you really need? Let's do it. Okay, here we go. A Lorraine County, Ohio family was helping Grandma clean her house. They cleaned out the fridge and freezer, throwing away everything. Garbage had just been picked up when Grandma said... Hey, there's an envelope with 25 grand in there. The family immediately contacted Republic Services as they had thrown the envelope out with everything else. They, Republic Services contacted the driver who had not yet gotten to the landfill. They were able to divert him to a recycling center where workers went through the trash. Fortunately, they were able to find the envelope with the cash, just about 10 minutes of searching and the cash was returned to the family.
0: My gosh. Well, wow, that's a great story for public services, too. That's that's really cool.
1: 25 grand, we'll just put that over here in the garbage. We don't need that's that. A, that's an old school thing, having a lot of cash in the house. Yep.
0: I remember yep. my grandmother used to you know, have some substantial amount of money at her place, we'll have and she said, if
1: anything ever happened, I have money here, 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 and here. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. yep. Check, the, check the mattress. Yep. Hey, if you're looking for a new gig, NASA is now taking taking applications for four people to pretend they're living on Mars. Oh, this is perfect for me. The idea is to prep for eventually sending astronauts to the red planet. Now, to do that, four people are going to live for a year in the Mars Dune Alpha, a 1,700-square-foot Martian habitat created by a 3D printer, and it's inside a building at the Johnson Space Center in Houston. The chosen people will work a simulated Martian exploration mission, complete with spacewalks, limited communications back home, restricted food and resources, and equipment failures. The requirements for the uh, applicants here now, pay attention, master's degree in science Engineering or math. Got okay. any of that?
0: I have a master's degree, but not in not in any of those things. Oh. So I guess not.
1: well. All right. Let's see what else we got here. You need uh, pilot experience would be good too. Only American citizens or permanent U.S. residents are eligible. I think you can check that box? Applicants need to be between 30 and 55. So two middle-aged oh. men from Cleveland. We're we're good there. Yeah, we're ready to roll. In good physical health. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Never mind. So, uh, no, dietary issues. I'm good uh, eater. No, I'm good with that. Yeah, and not prone to motion sickness. Uh, I, I think I'll eliminate myself from that one. I don't know about that one either. Yep. Yeah. So, if you want to pretend you're on Mars? That's just contact NASA.
0: Wow, that's that's crazy. I, that just shows you how close
1: we are to people being there. I guess. Yep. A Florida man facing charges after a fight among a group on vacation. It started when a woman in the group passed out. Oh, boy. How, how many stories, how many fights start this way? The man, the man involved, James Williams, put the woman who passed out in a wheelbarrow to take her to her hotel room. You know, that's that's how you take people that are drunk, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's when he apparently started pouring beer on her. Oh, boy. Okay. Okay. So another guy in the group tried to stop him, and that led to the fight. Now, during the fight, Williams apparently choked the guy and then bit off part of his ear. Oh,
0: some Mike Tyson stuff.
1: Okay, nice. missing earpiece was found. No word on what wound up happening with it.
0: (laughs) This is in Florida? Okay. Yep. Fair enough. Alrighty.
1: No word if anybody contacted the victim to No. Probably not. <laughs> see if he had anything to say. A woman who met a man on Tinder says their first date went very poorly. How many <laughs> How many Tinder dates do that this seems like, you know, this is kind of like, hey, the sun rose today.
0: Holy now,
1: man. first date on Tinder went poorly. The two had been chatting for a while, and the woman invited the guy to a barbecue at her house. Okay. He arrived late, and he showed up with extra food for himself. (laughs) Want to make sure he's going to eat. Yep. Then he brought out a vial full of ashes, saying, oh, I'd like to introduce you to my mother. I like bringing her to any important event in my life. What? A woman made some excuses and ended the date as quickly as she could. She says he texted her before he even got to his car, saying, quote, My mom really liked you. I can't wait to see you again. Oh, boy. She replied that she didn't feel the connection to him or his mother.
0: <laughs> That's a great answer. Yep. My gosh.
1: Yep. Oof. Late, bring your own food and the remains Ashes of, your of your dead mother. Yes. That is, uh, yeah. That's, that's not, not a good start.
0: That's not what you're looking for. Yep. You think that's uh, checking
1: all the X's off? You yep. think the guy's name's Herman Munster? I don't know. <laughs> could be. All right. Well, that's this week's collection of Klop's clips.
0: Said another segment that you always enjoy. Yes. You can really buy this.
1: I can't. I got my credit card ready.
0: I've memorized the numbers, so no <laughs> need, no reason for you to use that. I'll just do it over the phone. i do it by memory. <laughs> this week's item can be purchased from a company that rhymes with the word hexagon. I'm not hexagon. sure if you can figure that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Hexagon. Said, I know you're going to like this product. This is something that you need in your life. I think this really can help yourself because I know how much of a gardener you are. Oh.
2: Huge gardener. Got the
0: green thumb right here. Yep. Well, for a fine amount of money, which would be $38.99. Okay. You can purchase 1,500 live ladybugs. I repeat, 1,500 live ladybugs for $38.99. Okay. Now, these ladybugs are general predators that feed on a variety of slow-moving insects. I think many people know this. They feast on both the adult and larva stages of many common garden pests. Now, when you receive these ladybugs, they're shipped in a brown paper bag with holes in the bag and a box for fresh air. That's the best for the uh, ladybugs. And then they tell you, you know, to release things, they tell you to do it at dusk around the base of plants and spray them with water so that they can drink. <laughs> ladybugs like to drink, huh? And with 1,500 ladybugs, they cover approximately 1,000 square feet. Okay. So get your card together. Yep. Get it ready. Yep. Live ladybugs. Now, Live of ladybug. course... I, I cannot, you know, let you buy this until you hear the reviews. Uh, so I, couple, I, this, there's a couple reviews part. that I have. First of all, the the good reviews, the five stars. This is for yeah. Andrew. Andrew, all the ladybugs arrived alive, <laughs> survived the day in my fridge, and I let them out after sundown by my roses. I was so nervous to buy these online, but none of our nearby plant nurseries had them. It all worked out. So it was worked out great for Andrew. Sherry, not Russo, who joins us every once in a while, a different Sherry. Okay. Uh, Five star review. Instructions were great. I don't know why you need the instructions. I mean, just let the <laughs> things out of there, but that's <laughs> fine. Great value for the money. Easy to spread the ladybugs into the garden. So, okay. Very pleased. Now, of course, how did you... everyone just is, is go, go ahead? I'll, I have a question when we're done. Uh, okay. So, here's the one star review. Yes. I expected some loss. This was anonymous, by the way. Mm-hmm. I expected some loss, but 100 out of 1,500, not good. That's like 39 cents a bug. So that that person was not happy. And then another one-star review. More than 75% of the ladybugs were dead when I received the package. <laughs> I even paid extra to get them shipped faster, but it didn't help. Mm-hmm. Don't buy this. I- <laughs>
2: I don't was gonna
1: ask, how do you know? Do you sit there and count each ladybug to make sure you get your fifteen hundred? Well,
0: that's a great question. I don't know. Uh, maybe there's a you know, some sometimes on different things there's a line and fifteen hundred ladybugs would be at this line. <laughs> Could only five hundred be at this line? I don't yeah. know. I'm not sure. Interesting. But I, I was once again doing some research and I, I've yes. never heard of buying. Live
1: ladybugs, but you can buy that. That's that's a new one for me. Now, are you, you you guys are doing some uh, landscaping. Will you be uh, adding ladybugs to your uh, your home?
0: Not at this current point. I, I think I'm going to give it some time. Um, you know, 1,000 square feet is, is a big area. So maybe we'll, that'll be a little surprise I have for Aon coming up in the spring. Oh, boy. I bet she'll appreciate that surprise. She'll love that. I mean, it's perfect oh. timing. Her birthday's at the end of... Uh, the end of March, so I think that would be perfect timing
1: to come up with 1,500 ladybugs. Honey, I didn't get you any roses, but I have 1,500 ladybugs. Ta-da!
0: Oh, my. When's the marriage can... date? Uh, it's uh, May 28th.
1: You better confirm yeah. that before you get that. Done. Yeah, but
0: it's maybe I want to do that afterwards.
1: So. <laughs> there you go. It's a post-wedding gift. That's right? correct,
0: yes. That's great. All
1: right. Well, I guess uh, live ladybugs you can really bite. <laughs> Ken, we're wrapping up episode number 67. Not Steve Everett. Uh, not, no. uh, I don't, who did you say? Pastor Austin
0: uh, Pasteur. Yes.
1: Austin Pasteur. Not, uh, yep. okay. All right.
0: Not a huge famous Cleveland Brown, but one of the linemen. I do remember him. Okay. Large, of course. Large man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not uh, the pastor over there at St. Bernadette's. Uh, no, no, no. Not no. Pastor
0: Phil. Okay. No. That's a
1: different, different guy. Okay. That's a different man. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, uh, interesting uh, uh, conversation this week. Like the, uh, a lot of projects going on here in Cleveland. That was interesting. I, uh, I'm glad we were able to spotlight some of those because sometimes I think you're right. People don't realize everything going on in the city.
0: No, absolutely not. And, I'll, you know, we try to stay away from the negative. Yep. I mean, at times it's difficult, but I, I just like to promote different things going on. And with that type of infrastructure and, and all that, certainly people have a belief that many different things are on the up and up here in the Cleveland
1: area, which is cool. So, Well, staying positive, we're going to have a hacker on next week. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if that's positive or not. I guess maybe the victims of his work might not agree, but... He's a uh, world-famous hacker and a cybersecurity expert. Now, check this out. He's the only guy to ever wiretap the Secret Service and the FBI. Holy cow. Yeah. Now, you would think that if that happens, maybe they would arrest him. No, they hired him to as a consultant. So Of course they did. That's yeah. smart. Smart, That's idea. Very smart So, Brian Seeley... Maybe I should say his name quietly since he's a hacker. I don't know. Ryan Sealy is going to be on the show next week. Maybe we uh, do we need to get a voice changer for next week? It's a
0: possibility. I mean, my my guess is that he's going to probably not necessarily tell us all the things that (laughs) we shouldn't be doing, but all the things we should be doing. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting interview. I I have some different questions. You know, obviously stuff with online with you know, what's the sites that you're, you know, how do you keep your kids safe Well, yeah. all this different stuff? I think that'd be some really, really good questions. So Yeah.
1: What's the best um, security for keeping your kids off of sites they shouldn't go to?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
1: that's a great question.
0: Yeah.
1: I would like to know the answer to that. My kids are getting to that age and I think your kids are already there. So, yeah.
0: And I, I do want to know how he's wiretapped. You know <laughs> the FBI and the CIA. I mean I I I have to know this. Get the schematic. I need I need to get the info. All right.
1: So. Are you gonna do any wiretapping this week?
0: No, no, about I'm any, not about any keg tapping. No, no, it's gonna be a quiet, quiet week. I need to, you know, we gotta drop some LBs. I do have a okay. wedding coming up. You you're well. you're tomorrow. trying to compete with uh our uh, our power lifter overachiever? is that it oh Edith no yeah. I'm definitely not gonna be able to keep up okay. here how about our surprise this week? Did you like the surprise of uh, Steve Thompson, the Baldwin Wallace athletic that's, director? Did you uh, like that? That was awesome. He had How some random was sleep. that? I just That was really cool. He's certainly been a friend for a long time, and obviously, congrats to him, but uh, certainly a lot of people that listen to our show are very familiar with Baldwin Wallace and have a great athletic program, so we wish the best for the jackets, the yellow yeah, jackets.
1: The yellow jackets. Yes, we, we'll right. be kicking off here soon. We're not that's just right. From, that's that's footballs right. And all that, and the sports well you know uh people often wonder well why didn't they tell us who they were going to have on never know why yep never know why Yep.
0: we so. like surprising people yeah. that's one every of once in a while things. we
1: throw a surprise in
0: there yep
1: start it off and wrap it up
0: yeah, that's basically what we do yep that's what we do speaking of wrapping it up oh you want me to wrap it up now Oh, okay very cool <laughs> i have to be direct i am middle-aged man I just want everyone to remember, we're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Two
3: Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland is sponsored by Anchor.fm. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And by Westminster AV. Custom audio-visual packages for all occasions.